Hello and welcome to the podcast that has finally been named after a lot of thought and care. I've decided to name this podcast Setting Up Camp with John. The reason why I want to call it this is because we know that we have an eternal home in heaven with Jesus that this place here now that we're at this earth, this world, um, and even our bodies, it is all temporary. And so the, the purpose of this podcast is just to be sure that we're being intentional with the little time that we have here on earth to pursue God, to study his word, um, and also just to gain some refreshment throughout the week so that as we go throughout week to week, we are able to just feel refreshed and encouraged and go throughout the rest of the week with our heads held high. Well, this past Sunday was Easter, and this Easter looked a lot different for a lot of different people. A lot of people have uh, been in quarantine, or a lot of people have been kind of confined to be at their homes. Many churches are um, all going to an online approach, and this is something that has actually been um, encouraging and also discouraging. Um, But I was listening to a preacher. His name is Judah Smith. I would highly encourage you checking out his podcast or his church. His church's name is Church Home. Um, And again, his name is Judah Smith. Um, But he was talking about something that I thought was very interesting. He was saying that uh, as this kind of quarantine uh, season of life comes to an end, and as churches hopefully will start to open back up, he was saying that the church is going to start looking a whole lot different. And he was talking about how getting together in in a group, in a big group of people, the church, while that is such a blessing, that is not the end goal for us as Christians. Um, And that he was saying that as we are in this season that we are currently in, we are actually able to reach out and to encourage and to share the gospel with more uh, people that we would have never considered sharing the gospel with before, like our neighbors or uh, family and friends that are close. Um, And this is something that I've seen to be true. I've seen so many people posting things online, uh, on social media, on YouTube, uh, TikTok, like all these different types of things. I've seen people sharing the gospel. I've seen people sharing the love that Jesus has shown them and them sharing it with other people so that they might also experience that same love. And this is something that is so encouraging to me, something that I am so excited about that even in this season where it seems like we are all very isolated and alone, the church is actually coming together and doing new things and taking new approaches to encourage one another and to share the gospel. And all that, thinking about this this Sunday, this Easter, uh, just got me thinking about Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, which say this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And this has just really encouraged me that even though, again, a lot of us think that it is nearly impossible in this current season that we are in to just see a lot of good stuff uh, 
see a lot of the name of Jesus being proclaimed and shared. I have seen a lot of it even still. And there is still a lot of good things happening in what we consider to be this kind of difficult, bad, tough season. But that's not all that we're going to talk about today. Today we're going to talk about how do you view Jesus. We're in our second uh, episode of How Do You View Jesus. It's a collection of talks that I want to do. Um, last week that we talked about the disciples in the boat and how they viewed Jesus merely as a teacher who did not care about them, but they learned as well as we also learned that Jesus is so much more than a teacher and that he cares a lot about his people. Well, today we're going to be in Mark chapter 5 verses 21 through 34. So if you have a Bible, why don't you go ahead and turn there? Um, we're going to be again just in Mark chapter 5 verses 21 through 34. And they say this, When Jesus again crossed over the boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pledged earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for twelve years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out of him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering." So early on in this story, there's a whole lot to unpack uh, within this short amount of scripture. But uh, the first thing that I want to point out is that early on, we are introduced to a man named Jairus, who is a synagogue leader. Now, the synagogue was essentially the Jewish church in Jesus's time. And Jairus, being a synagogue leader, was a general supervisor of all synagogue activities. So essentially, he was the, the pastor um, but the leader of the church congregation was called the president rather than the pastor, and this was the position probably that Jairus held. Jesus often frequent, uh, frequently taught in the synagogue, and it appeared that Jairus had Jairus, sorry, Jairus had been one to faith in Jesus as the Messiah, and perhaps it was from those teaching experiences. So, Jairus, a leader of the synagogue, approaches Jesus and falls at Jesus' feet. Let's go back to that part in scripture. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. 
He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So, with that, how does Jairus view Jesus? Why is it that Jairus falls at Jesus' feet? Being a Jewish leader and liking Jesus were not things that went hand in hand throughout Jesus' life of ministry. And Jairus had probably been changed by Jesus' teachings and personality. Jairus understands that Jesus has a kind heart, that Jesus can perform miracles, yet he also understands that Jesus is king of kings. And this is why Jairus falls at Jesus' feet. It is out of reverence, respect, and worship. So this is how Jairus views Jesus. He views Jesus in a sense out of reverence, out of respect, and out of worship. Well then, as Jesus and uh, Jairus are on their way to Jairus' house, where they're going to heal Jairus' daughter, uh, a large crowd surrounds Jesus. A large crowd surrounds Jesus and Jairus and the disciples, and this crowd is like, they're all trying to ask Jesus for favors. They're all bumping into Jesus. They're all rubbing up against him. And one thing that happens is that we're introduced to yet another person in this story. That other person is a woman. And this woman does not yet have a name, but scripture does give us a lot of backstory on her. This is what it says. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. So a few things that the Bible tells us about this woman is that she had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Now this was a condition that affects a whole lot more than her physical health alone. This woman's condition, which is not clear in terms of modern medical diagnosis, is translated as an issue of blood, where she is just continually bleeding. Because of the continual bleeding, the woman would have been continually regarded in Jewish law as a nidah, or menstruating woman, and so she was ceremonially, ceremonially unclean. This condition has most likely caused her to lose everything she ever had. She spent all of her money on doctor's appointments, and those doctor's appointments actually ended up making things worse. She's out on the streets, most likely begging for money, just so that she can go and see another doctor. Being a beggar on the street, as well as being seen as ceremonial unclean, would have caused her to be frowned upon. People would have not gone out of their way to help her. In fact, they probably wouldn't have even helped her if they were if she was in their way. She was helpless and she was hopeless for 12 years. And I can only imagine that those doctor's appointments filled up the first few years of this 12-year span, leaving her homeless for several years. Yet here comes Jesus, here comes Jesus, her last chance. 
And so she reaches out, she touches his cloak, and instantly is healed. Not only healed from her health condition, but also from her suffering. And notice Jesus' reaction. He, it says, At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. He knew that power had gone out of him. That's probably, honestly, a whole sermon alone. There's so much to unpack with that. But for right now, let's stay on topic. He knew that someone had touched his clothes. The disciples are confused because there are so many people around Jesus, bumping into Jesus, and yet Jesus still knows that someone broken has touched his cloak. Jesus knows that someone who needed healing has touched him because he felt that power leave his body. And in this passage, I know that Jesus is not angry at the woman. This is important as we are discussing how do we view Jesus we oftentimes can read who touched my clothes as an anger statement. Jesus is frustrated. He's like, who touched my clothes? Like, come on. What's, I'm just trying to take this man to his daughter so I can heal his daughter, and yet people are interrupting me. That is not Jesus' nature. How do I know that? Because Jesus starts looking for her. Verse 32, but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it, who had touched him. Jesus is looking for this broken woman who has received his healing. And he isn't looking for her to ridicule her or to shame her. A uh, funny story is as a kid, um, I had done something that I knew I shouldn't have done. I, I think it was probably me eating my brother's cookie or me playing around in the car and I wasn't supposed to be doing that. Um, or something of that nature. Just I was doing something I wasn't supposed to be doing. Something silly and stupid, but it was something I shouldn't have done. And because of that, knowing I would get in trouble, I decided to run away from home. I ran and I hid so that I would not get in trouble. And this woman that we're reading about has done the same thing. She knew that she had no right to reach out and touch Jesus' cloak. She knew that she would be ridiculed. She knew that she was unclean and therefore unworthy of healing. So she hid. How does she view Jesus? She probably views Jesus similarly to how she views Pharisees, people who were too holy to interact with her. Yet Jesus still looks for her. And being aware that Jesus is looking for her, she dives at his feet, trembling with fear she confesses everything why does the bleeding woman dive at jesus's feet she dives at his feet in hopes that he will have mercy on her she falls at his feet in fear in worry and in regret she falls at jesus's feet in fear in worry and in regret Something I did not realize as I had run away from home was how worried my mother was. 
we had just moved to a new house with a lot more acres than our previous house had. My dad was at work and my mom was home alone with me and my siblings and all of a sudden one of the kids disappeared. All of a sudden I had disappeared. And after searching for me outside and calling my name, my mother ran inside to call our new neighbors. Hopefully they had seen me, but right as she reached for the phone, the phone rang. And our new neighbors were on the other line asking, have you lost a little boy? A relief, I'm sure, swept over my mom and she came to pick me up. Listen to what Jesus says to the woman after she has fallen at his feet and confessed everything. Jesus says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. When we run away from God and fear that we're going to be punished or persecuted for our wrongdoings, we are misunderstanding God's nature. God does not want to harm us. He wants to help us. God does not want to persecute us, but to pursue us. God does not want us to run from Him. He wants us to run to Him. And this is what Jairus, the synagogue leader, had done. He ran to Jesus for help. The woman, on the other hand, ran from Jesus in fear. So which are you? How do you view Jesus? Do you fall at Jesus' feet in fear or in faith? Do you fall at Jesus' feet in worship or in worry? Do you fall at Jesus' feet in reverence or in regret? What I learned from this passage is that Jesus wants us to fall at his feet with faith instead of fear. To fall at his feet in worship instead of worry. And in reverence instead of regret. The, the Easter season is all about Jesus' grace. It's all about the sacrifice that Jesus had paid on the cross. And this is something that I think a lot of us oftentimes forget. Easter to Easter to Easter, we hear the same message, the same story. It can sometimes become a little bit numb. Sometimes the more we hear something, the more we're like, yeah, okay, got it. But it doesn't have an effect on our heart. But let me tell you something. Jesus's grace is enough. Jesus looks for us. He seeks us out. The Bible says that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. He looks for us and seeks us out. And then he gives us the name daughter or son. Jesus gives us the name daughter or son. We are no longer a slave to sin. We are no longer in chains to our past. We now are an heir to the throne. We are now an heir to heaven to the place that we were made for from the beginning because of Jesus' grace. Not because of anything we do, not because of what we not because of what what we do for Jesus. It's just Jesus. It's just Jesus being gracious and loving his children. And it's hard to believe sometimes. Sometimes our sins and our downfalls can feel too large for God. But the Bible tells us otherwise. Romans 5.20 tells us, Where sin increased, grace increased all the more. 
God's ways truly are, going back to the earlier verse that I shared with you, God's ways truly are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Because while we think of ourselves unworthy of His love, He sent Jesus to wash our sin and our shame away. How do you view Jesus? How do you fall at His feet? Why do you fall at His feet? I hope and I pray that you would fall at His feet in faith, in worship, and in reverence. I hope that you would not fall at His feet in fear or worry or regret because His grace is enough and He cares and He loves us so much. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this incredibly encouraging message. Thank you so much that that you that your grace is enough. Thank you so much that you love us, that you sent Jesus for us, and that over this Easter weekend we just reflected on that. We just remembered that that Jesus died for us, that we are set free from sin. God I'm just so grateful that you look for us, that you sought us out, that the people who are hurting and broken, that you are looking for them, that their sin does not push you away, it rather draws you closer as you want to heal them from that hurt. God, you want to take us from a place of brokenness and send us on a place of wholeness and fullness. God, you're so good to us. And I just want to pray for anyone listening to this podcast or watching the YouTube video. I just want to ask that you would be with them this week. That as we all fall short of your glorious standards, that we would feel your grace. That your grace would increase all the more as the Bible tells us it does. That we would just be aware of that. That we would be aware that you have called us your son, your daughter. That we would be aware that we are now your children. And that you don't look at us and see the sin that we fall into, that you see Jesus who died on the cross for us. God, I'm so grateful. I love you so much. Thank you for the opportunity that I have to record this podcast. Thank you for the opportunity that others have to listen to it. I just hope that they would be encouraged, that they would feel your love, that they would feel your grace as they go throughout the rest of this week. It's in Jesus' holy name that I pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for listening in. Uh, Hopefully I'll be uploading the second uh, episode of How Do You View Jesus as we continue on in this story uh, next week.